Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, yes, and a very warm welcome again. Welcome back to Thursday's episode of the Luke and Pete Show. I'm Luke Moore. I'm joined this week as you guys well know, by the great Jim Campbell. Hi, Jim. Hello. How you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? Very well. How do you feel about Monday's episode? Enjoyed it a lot. Good reaction. Um, People enjoying it. Yeah, glad to hear it. I hope that um, the uh, horrific boarding school stories have, like, <laughs> have flowed in. <laughs> well, two things that have happened. Um, well, I haven't actually had to go through all the boarding school stories yet, so I won't be doing those today, but... The other thing is we might make a superstar out of your dad. I think yes. he might become a new Kim Kardashian. He could become the new Kim Kardashian. There's a lot of, I'm trying to think I've almost gone gone blank on some of the madder things that he thinks. He's big into aliens. Yeah, like of course. Massive into aliens, properly thinks like that we're regularly visited by them. Does he? And, oh yeah, yeah. Because he, he just loves all those he loves all those kind of TV shows that you get on the History Channel. Have you seen the History Channel? Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? It's just yeah. aliens and conspiracy theories yeah. now. There's not really any real history on it. It's really weird. Yeah, I, think, I think they should be forced to change the name of it because they TLC had to change its name to TLC because it used to be the Learning Channel mm. and now it's just 90 Day Fiancé and Say Yes to the Dress. Yeah. No one's learning anything out of that shit. No, if it's anything, you're unlearning. Exactly. I mean, I love 90 Day Fiancé. It's one of the great unsung heroes of reality TV. Mm. Do you know what it's about? Um, is it about someone having 90 days to work out whether they want to marry someone or not? Kind of. So it's a little bit more... I can't believe I'm saying this. It's a little bit more sophisticated than that. <laughs> it's an American... Because it's an American show. An American who's fallen in love with someone from another country and under the K-1 visa requirements, they have 90 days to propose and marry them. And so they're under pressure. But then TLC massively ham up all the drama. So, for example, you'll get a guy from you know, Kansas who's never left the US, but he's met a girl from Brazil on right. the internet. And she's come over, or he's gone over there, and they've met, and it's all a bit dramatic. It's like catfish, but the person's actually real. Real, yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, you do get a bit of catfishing involved. But the thing that's interesting to me is, and I, as you well know, Jim, I'm, I'm a huge um, uh, America father, that's the word. Mm. I love uh, our American cousins. I've obviously got a lot of American family. But a lot of the people they target on that show are so sheltered, they've never left the US. So part of it will literally be them getting a passport and stuff. Yeah. And so it's very exploitative. And so I do have a bit of a... a, bit of a um, Kind of a bit of a, a conflict about whether I should be watching it or not. But anyway, so it's it's pretty enjoyable. Um, I can't, oh, yes, yeah, so the History Channel should probably have to change its name. to, But you can't change the THC because that's the active ingredient in cannabis. So <laughs> that would probably be a whole new thing. So, but, uh, but your dad's into that. But what does your dad make of the Venus news? Uh, I haven't spoken to him about the Venus news, actually. What do you um, make about it? I'm kind of excited about it because actually, funny enough, if anyone hasn't seen this, um, they're... 
basically, um, was it, I don't think it was, it was even NASA, was it? Who's discovered it? I'm not sure. It was some space agency has discovered that there is uh, potential signs of life in the clouds in Venus, and it would be um, a chemical that is admit uh, phosphine by it? phosphine. I think something like that's that. right. Something that is a biomarker for um, for for life, effectively. Mm. So the theory is it would if it just be microbial life that exists in the clouds because Venus is basically literal hell isn't it it's the hottest place in the solar system yeah. i think and, and i think that's why it was so um, surprising because people scientists and exobiologists have kind of naturally overlooked this so they thought well, there's nothing going to be there yeah let's go to mars i think it rains sulfuric acid like it's really like romford horrific a lot like romford yeah <laughs> um so but it's not going to be it's not going to be a it's exciting on a scientific level right yeah. because of what it means but it's not like, oh my God, there's actually like crawling things crawling around or flying around or whatever. Yeah, which is kind of a horrible idea. So your dad it? wouldn't have any truck with that, presumably? No, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm surprised I said that. I haven't spoken to him about that because I had. But he quickly moved on to how it's like, oh, it's not like the grey ones though, is it? And like, no. and then he started saying that, um, you know, all of these pilots that talk about it can't be wrong and that my uncle's seen one. My uncle is like, a, he's a liar. Like, he's like, <laughs> That's like his thing. Is that what you say he to your dad? He loves lying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's my uncle Stuart. So you've actually got tr- twins as a dad and uncle. Oh, this is a different uncle. Oh, because so I say one of them always tells the truth, one of them always lies. It's like a fucking, it's like a fantasy novel. <laughs> so it's not, not your twin no, brother. he uncle. should do that. He should absolutely do that. Yeah. But so my uncle Stuart once called up our house, put on a stupid voice and said he was doing a survey to see if we had a phone. Uh, he's just one of those, right, like, okay. sort of the jokey, jokey uncle, yeah. Um, but And he just lies all the time because he thinks it's funny. Um, but my dad's like, no, Oh, you should see the change in him. He comes over all serious. He's, 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 he's <laughs> Where do they apparently see this? Uh, oh, I can't. I, I, you know what? I, I think I'm so tired of this conversation when I'm just <laughs> just trying to find out if he's having a nice day. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I can't. I just shut it down a little bit. But he um, he just loves it. And there's a really interesting thing in the God Delusion where Richard Dawkins, controversial figure though he is for some, talks about how um, if you if you sort of tally up the stats and you compare it with population increase, the sightings of aliens are pretty much exactly the same as they were for angels and demons and things in, right, in, okay. in, in kind of like more medieval times. Yeah, okay. So uh, there's just a certain subset of the population that really wants to believe and wants to see these things, and my dad is, is very much one of them. But, but on, on, sorry, to pick up on something you said a second ago, because I love, I love talking about this stuff, but Pete hates it, so we never really do. Mm. Um, Pete say stuff like, well, we've got, we've got other stuff to worry about. Let's not worry about that yet. Or he'll say stuff like, the body is 90% water anyway, or 98% water anyway, and until the 90s, no one ever drank water, so don't drink any water. So he thinks of things like differently to us. So he won't, he won't <laughs> think, I'm not going to go near aliens or outer space because there's loads of stuff on Earth that I've got to worry about yeah. first. So he never wants to talk about it. But one of the things you said, which I find fascinating, is that the US government themselves have released footage mm. of pilots going, what the fuck was that? And no one knows what it is. Yeah. So. That, oh yeah, it's not completely unfounded. But that doesn't mean it's aliens, no, that could just be experimental not. aircraft or different countries, yeah. secret aircraft, whatever. But it's still interesting, right? Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. But it's the, I don't know, it's the, the certainty that some people have that I find really, really interesting in that they, to them it is clear-cut proof that not just that thing in that video is an alien, but it's clear-cut proof that like certain things from the X-Files are based on reality. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Some people so desperately want to believe that there's, there is more to more than meets the eye. Oh, mate, when I was about 14, I had this book, which was a book of... It was a book based on the X-Files and what it did. It's a big hardback coffee table book. I mm. got it for Christmas, I think. It's actually written by Jane Goldman, 
Right. Ro- Jonathan Ross's wife, yeah, who then wrote. Yeah, yeah, but I think she started off writing that kind of stuff. Anyway, so what it had done is it would go through every episode of the X Files and it would say, this is the reality of the situation, right? But mm. it, it was obviously designed to be like, oh, but you never know kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah. I was fascinated with it when I was like 14. And it came in two versions. One was a black one, one was a silver one. And me and my mates used to read it all the time when we were 14. And it was very much kind of hung on the idea of that, you know, you never know type thing. And I wonder whether people, I, I guess just grew out of it or got other interest or whatever. Maybe some people just never grew out of it. Mm. And because of the internet, do you remember like a year or so ago, there was talk that people were going to storm Area 51? Yeah. And then, then about, only about 200 people turned up and they're already cane, so it yeah. didn't really happen. It's funny, because, I mean, it is, it is fascinating, isn't it? Because I think we're all broadly in agreement that there must be probably all intelligent life elsewhere in the universe, given the scale of things. Because yeah. there's a practical infinite amount of, of space. But yeah. also, because of the way it expands, there are regions we will never meet just because it's running away from us faster than we can travel. Yeah. But there are certain parts of the universe that do make you go like, oh, have you, have you, are you aware of Boots Void? No. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, but I'm fascinated by it. So it's this void in space, right? And it's something like 220 million light years in diameter. And yeah. there's nothing in it. Yeah. Like just nothing's visible from it. Again, like, like Romford. A, a much like Romford, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably not as dangerous <laughs> as Romford. In it. Yeah. But... <laughs> and it's, it's just, yeah, I'm, I am fascinated and, by and, that. And what, for, what is that? And for perspective, 220 million light years across, that is... For light to travel from one side of it to the other, at the speed of light, it would take mm. 220 million years to get there. Yeah. I mean, that's big. It's massive. One of the theories, and it is the, you know, the, the meme, like, I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens, yeah. is that it's a Dyson sphere, or, a, or it's yeah. a part of the universe that's been colonised by intelligent life that has managed to put technology around the stars that means it harvests their light and yeah. therefore it doesn't um, travel to us. But that is almost certainly not true. But it's, it is fascinating to think about these things. But at the same time, it's like, you know, little grey aliens aren't abducting your mates, Dad. No. Why are they always picking... Not, no disrespect to your dad. I'm not suggesting your dad hasn't been abducted by aliens or claims that he does. He'd love it. But if aliens are so clever, they can come to this planet without us even realising, they're not going to abduct some fucking idiot in the Midwest. <laughs> no, no, they're going to abduct, either. like, you know, Elon Musk probably. Yeah. Or, or I don't know why I chose Elon Musk there. Just a space thing. They're going to choose someone clever who's made an impact on life and has and, and got an, a, a, an intelligence. And they're going to go, right, you're here now. What, what's fucking happening on that planet? Mm. They're not going to ask a guy who's a fucking farmer in the middle of fucking Kansas because he ain't going to know. That's, Un- the, that's the problem I've got of it. Unless... They wouldn't choose that person. Unless these guys are so advanced that the people coming down doing the abducting are, are like the equivalent. So they're like alien rednecks coming down going, oh, let's fuck oh, with this okay. guy. So what, what Stick he- this thing in his ass. <laughs> so an alien technologies... The top people never do that kind of shit. Yeah, because well, they've got better stuff to do, haven't they? They've got Dyson yeah. spheres to build and like. So that's know, the equivalent of watching like, watching like Britain's Got Talent or whatever. Yeah, exactly. On a Saturday night. They're just like good old boys. Yeah. <laughs> so when it comes to a Dyson sphere, that's interesting because there was a, a report I read fairly recently about the idea that um, they found a, a, a star that had um, other bodies orbiting it. And when they rechecked it, the light had dimmed massively yes. and they weren't sure why. And I thought that could be a Dyson sphere. Because for, for those who are listening who don't know, a Dyson sphere is, as you said, it's a structure that's built around a star in theory by an advanced civilization to effectively get all the energy from that star. And therefore what we're seeing is a star being dimmed because that's Dyson sphere around it, right? Mm-hmm. That's what people were saying it could be the case. I don't know if it turned out to be the case because the way that they 
monitor whether there are other bodies in that solar system which is so far away is they monitor the light being emitted because they assume that planets are going across it, right? Yes. It dims it slightly. Which is how we know where most things are, isn't it? A lot of it is to do with... Um, Triangulation as well, yes, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, like, you know, we know about all these exoplanets that are, like, far-off solar systems, but, you know, we've never actually seen them. It's just based on the orbits of other things being affected by, you know... X body, X celestial body must be here to have this effect on this one. Gravity uh, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's but a... sooner than later, they're going to find something that's close enough, right? I don't, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? So it's always so. fascinating when, when you, you get those like kind of like things that come out going like, oh, we found another Earth. We found a twin Earth. And it's like yeah. too far away for anyone to ever get to. But yeah. it is, I don't know. I, I want to make it clear that I'm not like cynical about the very idea of of of, um, of extraterrestrial life and and, yeah, and people the will be fuming with you, mate. Yeah, we, we, exactly. we, had, we, had a, we did an email thing a year or so ago asking people if they'd ever seen a UFO and to email in, mm. and we had quite a lot of people email in. I mean, admittedly, most of them were on the way back from the pub, like, <laughs> yeah. and it was like, well, I can't really, I can't really remember. But a lot of people did. Like a lot of people do, kind of chime in with that type of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, weather balloon is what is what is often sort of decried. But the, American, being... the CIA and stuff haven't really helped themselves over the no. years, have they? Well, I think, though, I mean, Area 51 is something, isn't it? Yeah. So whatever I, think it's just, I think it's just a testing for experimental technology and aircraft and yeah, stuff Yeah, but like it, doesn't it actually help them to, to, to have the misdirect of a lot I'm of sure. people thinking it's something other than whatever it is they're doing? It doesn't hurt, does it? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember once being a kid and waking up and looking out of uh, the back window of my bedroom uh, well, it's the only window in the bedroom, but it's out the back of the house. And over in the horizon, where there's some clouds, I could see some weird white thing moving in weird shapes, right? At the time, I was like, I mean, obviously it's happened because I was about 14. I was obsessed with UFOs and I was half asleep. Mm. And I probably just, my brain was just doing stuff or whatever. And I wonder how many people that's happened to. So how do you know? The solipsistic idea of it where you don't know whether it's just your brain. Yeah. So uh, you could you could probably feasibly say that someone, at least one person out there who's seen a little grey alien, probably mm. did see it. It just wasn't fucking there. Well, they're really, that, well, that's exactly right. So I'm reading a book at the moment that I would recommend to, to you and to anyone listening called The Science of Storytelling by a guy called Will Storr, which is all about how oh, I've our read brains... I've read his book, The Heretics. It's brilliant. It's a yeah, brilliant book. Yeah, yeah. And it's all about how our brains model the world around us, which he talks a lot about in The Heretics. It's sort of an extension of this idea. Um, and he talks at length about about how the brain works and how... There's a great example he uses, which is kind of similar to what you're saying, which is that when you're sort of walking along in a country lane and out the corner of your eye, you feel like you see a little man in a top hat and think, what the fuck is that? Mm. And you turn around and it's just a tree trunk. Your brain did see a little man in a top yeah. hat because it, it just basically got it wrong and it, and it interpreted the world around you slightly wrong in that moment. Or it's wired to be defensive. Yes. So, so that could be a threat. So it's better for us to see a threat yes. than it not be there. Which is, I would think how a lot of people experience these things. I mean, I've had a lot of out-of-body experiences and night terrors in my life, which are a horrible thing, but they are a neurological thing. Yeah. And actually, so the first time this happened to me, one of the first times this happened to me, I, uh, I was in my bedroom in my, at my mum and dad's house and I saw my brother walk into the room. Um, I thought, that's weird. Why has he come in? And then he walked into the wardrobe and just disappeared. I was huh. like, that's weird. My brother can't do that. Yeah. And then I Did you feel like you are awake? Yeah. And then I sort of realised I couldn't move. And yeah. you, you, you try and struggle and you try and sort of shout, but, but nothing happens. And then that's when I sort of felt the kind of being pulled out of my body. And it is like a malevolent thing as well. It yeah. does feel like yeah. you've, you, there's something in your room messing with you. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen that Victorian painting? 
it's a really famous well, the, the sat on the chest. Sat on someone's chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. a that's a representation of it, and and it is perfect. It is exactly what it feels like. Yeah. Um, and so I was like really worried about this. I was like, because at the time I'd never experienced anything like it. I was like, am I losing my mind? Like, yeah. so I went to a neurologist, and and they said I was in my early twenties at the time. They said actually it's really common in men around that age because right. something through your frontal lobes growing, and. <laughs> It was a family party a little while after that, and uh, an aunt of mine came up to me and said, "Oh, so um, he saw a ghost." I was like, "Right, I'm going to work backwards. I know, <laughs> I know exactly what has happened here. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen a ghost. Dad's going around telling people there's a ghost in my room, isn't he? Yeah. Like, yes, yes, he is. And to this day, he insists it is. It's like this. It's my brain. Yeah, like, I chose this. Yeah. This happened to me, not yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I told you about this. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. So was it? Has it happened ever since? Uh, yeah, here and there. Sometimes just for no reason. Sometimes if actually on a particularly hot night, sometimes I can sort of sense it might happen. But it's funny because I know what it is now. So that malevolence still it still feels like it's there, but you can sort of ride it out a little bit. The last time, last I had like five in a night, wow. a r- really extreme, like really really full on. Um, Rabble tour. Yeah, but it ran my own head in a single night. <laughs> so one of them was. I was like, it's funny because you're you're in bed and you're paralysed and you're asleep and you're awake all at the same time. Have you ever experienced anything like it? It's very... Yeah. So the only thing I can kind of chime in with is probably when you know when you get sick and you've got like a really fevery kind of fluey type thing, and your sleep gets really weird. Yeah. And and you get sweaty and you never know you're awake or asleep or not and weird things happen mm-hmm. and you can't control it and you can't wake you, up. Yeah, that kind of hypnagogic state. Yeah. That's, between... that's the only thing I've ever had. Yeah. Thankfully, touch wood. Is it similar to that or not? It's, it's similar to that, but it's okay. really extreme. So the okay. first thing I remember from this like five parter was I was in this garden with loads of like overhanging like really like branches. So, I mean, like, Netflix, willow will get, trees. Netflix will take this. Yeah, five absolutely. Parts. So <laughs> so there was this woman. She was a friend of mine, but I knew she'd betray me. Was like was what I what I sensed from her, right? And then there was a swing set, and she was getting me to go towards this swing. And I remember saying to her. So you, you lead, you're literally leading me down the garden path. This is yeah. just really bad writing. Yeah. And then, like, so I was like, I kind of get sassy to my own. That's night a terrors. brilliant insight into your subconscious, isn't it? That? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so so weird. And later on, when I t- so I, I think I woke up after that point, and I was like, I'm just going to try and ride this out. And I posted something about it on Facebook, and people were like, Oh, you should watch this thing. Take your mind off. I was like, No, 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 it's not that. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. So if I was just sat there like watching House of Cards, this little demon thing would just be sat there watching me watch it, going, I'm just waiting for you. Ah. You go to sleep. I'm gonna just. I'm still gonna mess. This with is you. quite full on, Jim. And mate, it's, it's horrible. It's yeah. no fun. And the, the but the, the the last one, part five, was amazing because I was like, I must have been in the fetal position because <laughs> is it, I, I'm so aware of how mental this sounds <laughs> because uh, the final sort of night terror out of body experience, whatever you want to call it, was I was so I was, I was physically in the fetal position, but in my mind I was like on a little roller coaster in that position and I was like just going on this amazing roller coaster to a techno version of Sweet Child of Mine. And then I woke up. <laughs> It's a great payoff. Exactly. No one would have seen that coming. It was was like, and it was as fun as that sounds as well. All of the bad stuff had gone by then. I was just loving it. That's fucking great. It was so weird. No, it might be a bit weird for Netflix. Yeah. It takes a Having said that, they commissioned Dark though. Have you seen Dark? I have seen Dark. Have you finished it? Yeah. I I lost I just lost track of what was happening. Yeah. So many times. It was one for the more kind of intellectual view, I think. (laughs) I had no idea what was happening. I was I to put it in perspective. I paused 
um, the show so much that my wife would like, start to get annoyed with me. Mm. She was like, look, just fucking watch it. You don't everything because it's not been explained yet. Just fucking yeah. watch it. That's it, isn't it? Like you sort of forget sometimes that you're not supposed to know what's going on in the show and it annoys you. Yeah, I know what you mean. I thought it was a great show. I thought it was really um, amazingly done. Like, I know it's complicated and I know that maybe it was a little bit too clever for its own good, but like the writing in it is just mm. incredible. And, 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 and I think and I was saying this to, uh, to Mimi over the weekend, actually. We're just chatting about things uh, generally. And I said, well, you know what? Good on Netflix for, for making that happen. Because one, Absolutely. it looked beautiful. It's beautifully mm. done. So it probably cost a bit of money. I know things are cheaper these days, but it looked good. Two, they know it's not going to get a big audience yeah. because they're cutting themselves out of probably, I don't know, say 50% of the available audience because it's in a different language. And, and you know, I don't particularly subscribe to this, but a lot of people will say it's subtitled. I'm not interested, mm. right? And it's also with a load of unknown actors. So good on them for making it. So for every Stranger Things, which breaks the bank, or for every commissioning of... or Buying the licensing for Friends, which breaks the bank. Yeah, they do this interesting shit as well. So, also, as well, I don't know if you've seen. Um, I'm thinking of ending things, um, which no. is the new Charlie Kaufman movie. Which no. um, so he's it's a, it's an interesting, strange movie. I've, I've, I'm still getting my head around it. A lot of his stuff's quite weird, eh? Yeah, but actually now he's directing as well as writing. Right, that's really kind of gone off the deep end a little bit. Like the last, I think the last movie he did was called Synecdoche in New York. He might have had one between between that with Philip Seymour Hoffman, which was really unapologetically art house and abstract and strange. And this is more of the same, a little bit more focused, I think. But again, Netflix have just gone like, you're going to make something that most people aren't going to get. Yeah. Some people are going to actively hate, in fact, yeah. but do it. Yeah. The art is worth it. And yeah, you know, so like some that. of the stack podcast, mate. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just art, man. Yeah. Maybe people need to reconsider and think they don't actually appreciate <laughs> art. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I think um, I think that's right. Um, let, let's take a quick break. Um, when we come back, though, you're going to tell me a story about Extinction Rebellion, which you keep yes. forgetting to tell me. You can tell me that after the break, and then we'll do some emails. Don't go anywhere. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. 
Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Welcome back to the Luke and Pete show, or as it is known for this week, uh, the Luke and Jim show, or the Jim and Luke show, because mm. it's alphabetical. That's how yeah. I got Luke and Pete past Pete. It's alphabetical. He said, why is it you first? recognise the alphabet? I'm surprised. Not necessarily. No. We, we went for a stage on this Luke and Pete show when we first started it, when it was Luke and Pete summer. We'd researched loads of really interesting shit, and um, Pete just stopped. And we, it would just be a conversation after that. But it's cool. It's cool. I love doing the show. It's great. It's lots of fun. I love. I love chatting to Pete because um, he is genuinely an interesting guy. Like I think mm. people might. He gets a little bit of stick because I think people think he's quite affected, but he's not. No, affected he's really at all. not. He's really not. Is he's, he? He's all perfectly. Uh, perfectly. He's a. He's a proper British eccentric. My best friend Jimmy, you've met the fruitarian. Yeah, he used to be a fruitarian. Yeah. He's he's like that. He's not affected in any way. Like he's not on any social media. It doesn't profess to be anything he isn't. He's not um he's not like, affected at all. He's a proper British eccentric. Like he he thinks it's a perfectly reasonable thing to do um to I mean one day he did um on his own, he just went and walked fifty thousand steps and went to as many pubs as he could on the way, got really pissed, and then just came home again. And text us the next day on the WhatsApp group. Guess what I did yesterday? Fifty thousand. Yeah, like, I, mean, I think it. I think it ended up being something like twenty-four miles. Yeah, but he just does it. He's not doing it to show off. He's not yeah. got any social media. He, he just. Oh, this is what I did yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I got a friend like that as well. You know him actually, my friend Mark. Um, so he um, he just like went to Cambridge rather than going to work one day. Like, and just like, I mean, you know, it's not. Did he lose his job. Not, I don't. I don't think they ever knew, and he's in a new one now, so it doesn't matter. But he um. I remember he, he went to university in Portsmouth and he told me that he, these are probably two different stories, but I'm going to tell them as if they're the same one. Um, he, he was really drunk one night. He was a student, very young, so very silly. So he went, um, he went over to the pier in Portsmouth yeah. and, he, and he jumped off the edge. And it's like, of any pier, that's a really stupid idea. And he hit his ankle as he, as he landed in the sea. And as he was dragging himself out of the sea at night, he, he swears there was an old man with a dog staring out to sea who just said to him, she was kind to you tonight, son, but don't you be testing her again. <laughs> that's that's Portsmouth all over, that. That could definitely happen. I was, I was expecting you to go, no, no one... South Sea Pier. South Sea's really trendy now, fashionable and like quite quite affluent. Mm. But Portsmouth's got some characters in it, man. Yeah. I remember I remember um, two stories we wanted to say, say. One was about a mate of mine, I'll just tell you very quickly, he's actually from Essex. Uh, I won't name him because it wouldn't be fair. He's a bit like our background, working class, but he married a very posh lady and um, she so posh that she worked, she does like dressage and equestrian mm. and stuff like that. She had a big, wow. she had a big competition the next day. She laid all the stuff out and he came back from the pub. He'd been boozing all day with his mates for no reason, pulled on her jodhpurs, fell asleep and shat himself. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a story that I share. <laughs> which didn't go down well and the second story I want to tell was in Portsmouth not far from South Sea Pier actually it probably is quite far so near the harbour there used to be a pub called The Victory those listening from that part of the world will remember it I don't think it's there anymore it was one of the roughest pubs I've ever seen mm. and I was in there on a you pub call I know The Victory I know it's right opposite the harbour there's another South Coast pub it might, I don't know if it's South Coast actually it's called the Never Say Die you just know don't you? <laughs> no, you just know there. don't go anywhere near it don't even go no. on the road it's on <laughs> so the victory we would never go in there because it was fucking hard and it was full of blokes with tattoos and back in the late 90s the only people who wore tattoos were sailors and criminals right it wasn't a fashionable thing mm. really 
Um, or maybe it was just becoming fashionable. Anyway, we only went in there because we're going on the pub crawl. We thought it's just opposite the harbour. We'd get the ferry across from Gosport to go to the to get there to Portsmouth, where all the pubs were. Thought, we just got off the ferry, we'll just have a quick pint. Got in there during the day, so there'd be no one in there. Had a pint, and mate said, Do you want a quick game of pool? I was like, Yeah, no worries. And I'm all right at pool, right? I'm, I can hold my own. And we were playing, at no word of a lie, as we came in, as, as, as we were playing, the guy came in. Just the dictionary definition of like a Portsmouth sailor hard man, right? Tattoos everywhere. Just slammed a pound coin on the side of the pool table. Right? I'll play the winner. Oh, and I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. I hate that tradition. But I'm also really competitive. So I didn't want to lose. Yeah. Um, so I beat my mate and I had to play this guy. And oh, I thought, God. and then he, go, he comes straight up to me. I was a student at the time. He goes, 20 quid on this one then. Like it wasn't even an offer. It yeah. was like, we're doing so, that. Yeah. And I think I probably only had 20 quid on me for the whole night, right? And I thought, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to try it. I'm not going to try this. I'm not going to try. And he and he, and we played a couple of shots. He didn't say anything. It wasn't even like a social event. Yeah. He was smoking as well because you could smoke them. Just smoking, staring, holding his pool cue. So he's got a weapon as well. And after about three shots, he potted the black and the white. Did you claim your 20 quid? And I was like, oh, bad luck. And he was like, yeah. I just walked off. And I just, I just left a £20 note there. So I just took it. It was just so intense. Yeah, I still remember it now. And it was it over twenty so years ago. Joyless. It was. It, it, no one was getting anything out of it. Yeah. And I wonder if he knew the intensity, or whether that was just everyday life for him. And that pub, I think, used to do a meat raffle on a Sunday, which also tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. Before the break, Jim, I said Extinction Rebellion. Tell yeah. me the story you want to tell I want me. To talk to you about floppy protesters because it's been making <laughs> me laugh all week. I just read. So. Um... Extinction, Extinction Rebellion have been up to their old tricks. And uh, so Stephen House, Deputy Commissioner of the Met Police, is not happy about it. So I've just got some quotes here explaining the situation. So what actually happened? So um, basically protesters um, at Extinction, Extinction Rebellion protest have been using a tactic where they go limp if the police try to carry them away because it makes it... First, it's non-violent. It stops things escalating because you make it so clear that you're, you're not a threat. But also, it it's just a nuisance because yeah. you've, got to, you've got to use more police officers to take them away. So, uh, so Stephen House, I don't know what he talks like, but I'm just <laughs> imagining him... Just the, It's the voice of every dad who's had enough. Like It's, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's yeah. a Sunday night... You know, work in the morning, the kids, are, they've had too much sugar or something. They're acting up. They've been arguing and it's amazing. So he said, we've asked them to stop being floppy. <laughs> and that might seem like a silly thing to say. But when we arrest them and pick them up, they go all floppy, which is why you see four or five officers carrying them away. It's a complete waste of officer time and a complete pain in the neck. The problem with them, with, the problem with them going floppy and four officers carrying them away is it looks to the general public like police are overreacting here. We're not making them go floppy. <laughs> They're just sort of being a nuisance. If they could just behave like sensible adults, it's a flipping nuisance. And I think the majority of the public would look at that and go, for goodness sake, you've made your point, you've been arrested, the police are treating you perfectly fairly, just get on with it. <laughs> I love it. I can, love... I, can I say a joke here about the amount of people over the years who've been upset with me for going flopping? <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. It's amazing, isn't it? Like, I, I love how much he's missing the point of what they're doing. So they're yeah. trying to wind you up. They've got the reaction yeah. they <laughs> Do you know what you just reminded me of? My mate, um, Pav, who I've talked about sometimes on the show and I've talked about on the Ramble. He's mm. playing golf for the Ramble team, big Pav. Mm. He calls his kids uh, the Swindon lot because <laughs> when his wife goes over, they don't respect him. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like, I can imagine him talking like that about his yeah. kid. That's so funny. Oh, listen, right. Hello at lukeandpeach.com is the email address uh, for those of you who want to get in touch on anything you've heard over the last however many shows. Now, a lot of people listen back or are catching up on earlier episodes. There are a lot of episodes out there. So do not let me uh, deter you from emailing in on anything you've heard. Like I say, it's hello at lukeandpeachshow.com. Now, Pilot Neil, who's a legend of the show, Jim, mm. one of our pilots who listens regularly, has got in touch again. It's the first time we've had a missive from him for a good while. We wonder what would happen to him. Of course, a lot of our pilot f- listeners and friends have been grounded because of COVID. So um, they've been getting in touch here and there. But this is the first time we've heard from Pilot Neil for a while. Now, before I read this email, I need to give it a context. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago... Uh, I think I mentioned this to you in the past, but just in case I haven't, a couple of weeks ago, one of our listeners emailed in saying they were showing off to their daughter and accidentally swallowed their own wedding ring, which they then had to fish through their own fecal matter uh, to get back. Yeah, shit. Uh, To fish through the old shit uh, to get back. Now, Pilot Neil follows up with an email on this kind of subject. Okay, so that's the precursor to what I'm about to read. So he says, dear Luke, dear Pete, it's actually Jim this week, but that's Mm. okay. He wasn't to know. Hope you're both well. Uh, thanks for all the excellent output over the last six months, which has helped me fill the time while I've basically been sat- sitting at home uh, twiddling my thumbs. Your recent email about the swallowed wedding ring made me prick up my ears, and I thought I'd share the story of my best mate Adam with you. While he didn't pass his wedding ring through his digestive system, he did indeed need to go to similar or even greater lengths to save it. Our story takes place late one night in a house in central Budapest, where Adam lived with his Hungarian wife. Having pulled on his pyjamas and brushed his teeth at the end of a long day, and as part of his getting for bed, uh, ready for bed routine, he blearily sat down on the toilet and attended to the final pressing issue of the day. It's taking a shit. Uh, mission accomplished, and having given himself a good wipe, he went to wash his hands. It was at this moment, standing at the sink, that he had one of those moments of shocking realisation that knocks the breath out of you for a few seconds. His wedding ring had disappeared from his finger. Oh, God. And while he looked around the sink area for where he could have dropped it, it dawned on him that the toilet bowl behind him had just finished its mighty gurgling flush. Now, as background to this story, you should know that this is a man who has experienced a very similar shock in the recent past when he had managed to pull the same wedding ring off his finger and throw it in the bin while drying his hands on a paper towel in an airplane toilet. He had only noticed when he got back to his seat panicking when he saw his naked ring finger, but thankfully found it by returning to the toilet and rummaging through the bin. Now, Pilot Neil doesn't say if that was on one of Neil's flights. I mean, presumably it wasn't. Anyway, so that's the pretext. In the wake of that near miss, he had promised that he'd get the ring resized, but hadn't done so, which of course did little to calm him down now, as he looked at himself in the bathroom mirror, wondering how well the conversation he was about to have with his wife was going to go. Mm. And unlike an airplane toilet bin, no amount of rummaging would get the ring back this time. Or would it? Showing tremendous initiative and courage on their own part, his wife pointed out the toilet would flush from the house into the bigger drains that run outside the main road. Although the ring would surely be lost once it reached the main sewer system, it was unlikely that it had been made that far yet, that he had made made it that far yet. And after one short, one-sided conversation, it was agreed that he might yet be able to save a day if he really wanted to. Oh, Andy Dufresne. (laughs) (laughs) Andy Dufresne. It was now the early hours of the morning and this is how he found himself outside of his pyjamas, lit only by the streetlights, prizing open the manhole cover and sliding it to one side, revealing the glistening darkness of the Budapest sewer system below. As it was so late, the streets were quiet, 
but an elderly gentleman walking his dog kept a lookout for cars for him <laughs> and Adam stepped down the rungs until he was ankle deep in water oh, God. and prepared for the onslaught. Because we've all seen movies where people do that, right? Yeah. We've all got an idea of what it's like to go down a storm drain, but... <laughs> Listen to this, it gets better. Upon the dog walker's call, Adam's wife would flush the toilet in the house... <laughs> And a flood of water would rush down the pipe where he's hoping to spot his ring with the light of a head torch and fish it out. Now, while you have to give him 10 out of 10 for effort, it was to no avail. And although he withstood a number of soakings before he had to return to street level and reseal the manhole, he had to admit defeat. After squelching back to the house to face whatever reception might be waiting there, he returned to the bathroom and stripped off his soaking, stinking pyjamas to have a shower. It was only when he opened the laundry basket that he saw his wedding ring sitting proudly on top of the clothes he had taken off about an hour earlier when getting ready for bed in the first place. That is amazing. <laughs> I think he did get the ring resized after that. Oh, and they subsequently got, the, uh, subsequently got divorced anyway. I've, <laughs> I've changed the names to protect the innocent. Cheers. Oh. Currently grounded Pilot Neil. Bless them. What a story. Yeah, it's, ama- it's an amazing story. It's Could a shame you, it didn't work out. It's one of those things that's it's accelerated. Yeah. Bit by bit. And before you know it, you're standing ankle deep in shit down a sewer yeah. because you thought, Oh my god! What what am I going to do here? And and I think every idea has probably made it worse. Yeah, this is exactly why we need to break up. Is the sort of thing she might have said later yeah. on. This sort of thing. Needs She's to packing stop her happening. clothes in the house while he's in the sewer. Yeah, my, my husband's in the sewer. What do you want me to do? Yeah, it happens though, doesn't it? You have these little domestic things around the house. I remember once dropping my girlfriend's tampons down the back of the um, washing machine which was in a cupboard and then losing the spatula trying to retrieve them <laughs> thinking like, cut, your you losses. Know, is- cut your losses <laughs> go to the shop buy some more we'll laugh about this one day <laughs> separately not, not today not to- no no not today <laughs> we'll laugh about this one day separately in our own houses <laughs> So my, my dad actually never took his wedding ring on, so he, uh, off rather. Right. Took it on. He's never taken it off, so it, um, it's grown around his finger. Yeah, no, that ain't that ain't coming off. I think no. it's quite common. My father-in-law's similar. I think he's just never taken it off, and his, his body's changed shape. He's still in. He's still in good nick. He's in, he's trim, but I think his body's just changed shape, and his ring. It looks like it'll never come. It actually looks quite uncomfortable. Mm. I take mine off as soon as I get home. I just put it on the little the little dish. Yeah, because smart I just, to know where it is. Yeah, I just want so I know what's happening. Yeah, I, I, and and I think it's the Horncastle family, James Horncastle. You know, um, I, I think he has a tradition in his family. Hope he doesn't mind me saying. Where I think it's because he comes from a line of people who worked in manual work. They never wear wedding rings, so right. he never actually wears one. Makes so, sense. I'm surprised. I mean, this stuff must happen all the time. Just yeah. all the time. And, and the thing is, though, how do you stand on sentimentato? Is it that important? Could you just get another one, or is it really important, do you think? I think I would be sad. I think it's the same one I've yeah. had since I got married. I'd be sad if I lost it. But then as you move through relationships, people can renew wedding vows and get new mm. wedding rings and all that kind of stuff. And your wedding day is a special day, right? So it's a, it's a physical reminder of that day. Yeah. So that, that's, that's on you, like, constantly. So, like, a bit of a strange comparison, but, like, you know how moving house can be a really emotional thing because yeah. all the little things you've kept that you've now got to put in a box and take somewhere else, the reason you've kept them is because they're a memory, aren't they? Yeah. And not that it's like, you feel like, I want to hang on to this because I have no need for this little trinket I picked somewhere, Yeah, picked up somewhere. But if I get rid of it, I'm throwing away the memory as well because I won't yeah. ever have anything to like to remind me of it and to keep yeah. it off. So a wedding ring is like the most extreme and massive example of that you can have. So it must be devastating to lose it. I'll be, to put it in perspective, if I leave the house and I say I jump on the train or whatever, and I realise on the train that I'm I've lost. you like Spider Man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. so my wedding ring actually fires webs out of it. <laughs> no, if I, if I haven't got my wedding ring on, I kind of feel a little bit sad for the rest of the day. 
Mm. I, I'd, I'd go back if I could to get it and put it on. Yeah. I've regularly done that. If I forget to put it on because I'm in a hurry, I will run back and put it on. Does this mean we're not married anymore? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My wife's hoping so. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so it would be sentimental for me. I'm really bad. I think human beings generally are bad at throwing things away. Yeah. Like we, we just, my wife and I have just come to a compromise where we've got so much stuff. I kind of want to throw it away, but my heart's really not in it. Mm. And she doesn't want to, but our flat is small. So the compromise we've come to is our new neighbours downstairs recently moved in. So I, I introduced myself to them. And they said that all the boxes you've got left over from moving, can I have them? Um, because fortunately, we've got quite a big attic space. So I said to Mimi, look, why don't we just put the stuff we don't ever use or look at or need or wear in these boxes and put them in the attic? Then they're out the way. But if we desperately want them back, mm. we can still get them back. So we're going to do that because it's hard for people. At the extreme end of the scale, I was in Edinburgh last weekend and I walked, we walked past a house that were basically a hoarder was living there. And it was a massive old, beautiful old grey brick Edinburgh house. You know, you get those ones yeah. in Edinburgh. And, and the stuff was like piling out of the garden onto the street. The proper psychological problem. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. Massively. Did should... I ever tell you about the crappening? Oh, you have, but you should tell our listeners. Yeah. It's a great story. <sighs> it it's got its own name. It wasn't a great story to live through. So um, it was November the 13th, a couple of years ago. I remember that because it's my mum's birthday, right? And we had... It's um, what she would have wanted for a birthday. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Forgot to call her because of all this. Um, yeah. Never forgive myself. Yeah. So um, what happened was... I forgot to call my dad for his birthday once. <sighs> the time difference was in the US. And I was so upset. Yeah. I felt so bad. Carry on. So um, we've been having problems with our upstairs toilet. We've got a pair of, a pair of plucky little plumbers, um, Lee and Terry, to come <laughs> round. And um, they basically pushed the blockage down. And we thought it was all sorted. Brilliant. No one else is in. So I'd flush the upstairs toilet to, to check it, going about my day. And then I hear a noise. And then there's a smell. And basically, the downstairs bathroom had exploded. Like, right. And you're thinking, when you say exploded, do you mean, yes, yes. I, I saw mean, the photo. I mean what you it think. It was absolutely yeah. horrific. It's carnage, isn't it? People don't believe it sometimes when yeah. you show it to them because they think it's from the internet. And I'm sure it's on some plumber's thing, like meme Facebook group somewhere. Because yeah. they came back not to try and fix it, but to take a video to send their mates. Um, <laughs> it was absolutely unbelievable. When I first saw it, I thought, um, I thought this can't be real. Of Joe and Terry just played a trick on me and just yeah. throwing chocolate mousse everywhere. I mean, we were getting on, but not that well. Yeah. Like it's in, so I got them to come back, and we had to basically we had to like move for a couple of days. It was so bad, and we had to get a specialist to come in who was wearing a hazmat suit, right? And this is what made me think of this because um, I. <laughs> um, it was like quite late at night, and I, I said to him, "So have you ever ever seen anything as bad as this?" He was like. Yeah, seen one thing worse. And this is his first day back from his holiday, by the yeah. way. All this stuff is piling up. He goes, yeah, I've seen one thing that was worse. Um, so, yeah, there was a guy that, uh, guy's house uh, we, had to, we had to sort out. He was, he was a bit of a hoarder, bottles of piss everywhere. And uh, we found some, found some letters. And, um, yeah, it turns out he was a, a bit of a nonce. So, oh, so you've seen one worse thing. <laughs> and it was literally a paedophile's lair. <laughs> And by the way, my question was related to plumbing incidents. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, meant, I meant about, the, yeah, you know, I'm not just talking about generally in your life. Yeah. You know, oh, what saw a man kill a man? I don't mean that. You know, oh, I was in the, I was in a war. I mean the plumbing. I want to feel yeah. better about my plumbing situation. Sort it out. Yeah. Sort it out. Eventually, we had so many plumbers look at this. We had a, a couple that were in What's a What's the landlord doing? Oh, 
I don't want to libel them. <laughs> okay. I don't want to talk about them or think about them because I'm moving out soon. But we had a company called Ready Steady Jet come along. They had a look at it. They said they were. Oh, this a husband and wife team? They were a husband and wife team who had got into plumbing together somehow. And you would think Ready Steady Flow. No, but they've, they've gone Ready Steady Jet. They've thrown a curveball in at the end. Yeah. I like that about them. Yeah. They were an adorable husband and wife team. Uh, they wanted to put a camera up there and, and, and figure out what was going on with the blockage. My letting agent wouldn't let them. So they hired someone else to put a camera up there. Uh, wouldn't let them finish. They just kept hiring people to do bits of the jobs. And eventually, they sent around this guy called Les, who and Les was amazing. And um, he had to lean, it turned out to be, you know, you get those cages that go on top of pipes yeah. um, to stop birds nesting in, yeah. in, in, in ventilation pipes. So one of those had fallen in and created the blockage. And uh. that, was, that was what was the problem here. So um, eventually, they sent Les round. Uh, Les had no idea what he was actually looking for until he got there, and he had to like hang off the side of this ledge at the back of the building, and he's scared of heights. <laughs> and I only learn this as he's learning it. Basically, yeah. I only learn this as he's learning what the job is. So um, I've I've got to hold his legs down while he. Why are you involved? Because because they just sent one man for a two person job, and they just they're they're not good at their jobs. This yeah. letting agent, they're the worst letting agent in North London. And you were basically um, do as you're told, weren't you? It, well, I just I just want my toilet to work. <laughs> So Les, and he looks like a sort of mini version of Dave Bautista. He's a great, really charismatic guy. Yeah. So he's, he's, leaning over, uh, he's leaning over this ledge while I'm holding his legs. And he's trying to literally put a piece of like fishing wire down there to hook this thing out of this pipe. But there's a chip shop below us, right? So that is still a functioning shit pipe. So every, every time someone uses the toilet downstairs, he gets, he gets a blast of steam into his face. <laughs> he's, trying to, he's trying to fish this thing out going, <laughs> every now and then right and like so i'm stood i'm like kneeling on his legs at this point because he's so worried he's gonna fall over and then i see i see a woman look out of a window look over and i, I look over catch her eyes and then like just the blind shut like something in a john hughes movie yeah. right how many people are using the toilet down there? Well, it's a restaurant, so you know it's like whoever whoever needs it. Yeah. So it, it was a fairly constant stream. This thing. Right? So eventually, Les gets it out, and my other flatmates are home at that point. And he, he and I, it's like we've been through Vietnam together. Yeah. Like we are just like just do me out once a month. Just, yeah, he sends he sent me memes every every now and then for a while. So after that, Les is in such a good mood. He keeps telling me about how, how as a plumber. So, sometimes, sometimes women he visits try to initiate things with him. Right, like, he's had threesomes. Is he's been true, asked to be. I, he had a glint in his eye that made so, me believe it. I don't think that shit, shoving your face in a shit pipe for three hours is a great <laughs> fucking you know, advert for that. No, no. But I, I, I would hope for Les's sake that. Not every job was as horrific as that, but yeah, it would. It really, you think it's taken a turn that story, and then it just keeps turning. Yeah, it's it? a lot like to offer. Porn yeah, plumber at the end. Has it been all right ever since? Yeah, it's been fine since. In fact, um, I've kept that little uh, little cage on the on the balcony, or not yeah. on the balcony, but just on the little ledge thing, just to know it's there. Wash it first. Just to. I'm not going anywhere near it. The rain is washing, <laughs> washing that. It's just, just Don't upset. show Leslie, it'll get like PTSD. <laughs> you get like a flashback. Jim, there's no way on earth that anyone could follow that story. So we're going to have to wrap it up here, mate. But it's been absolutely brilliant having you on. We'll definitely get you back on when uh, Pete fucks off again, which could yeah. be any time, let's absolutely. be fair. Um, if he comes back. If he doesn't come back, I'll see you on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Bring Leslie if you want. 
love you that. Think so? Don't bring the guy with the bat. Gen- Les would genuinely be an amazing interview. Oh, would he? Oh, well, maybe I'll bear that in mind. But it's been brilliant. It's been the Luke and Pete show for this week only. It's been the Luke and Jim show or the Jim and Luke show. Hope you enjoyed it. Any plumbing mishaps, any uh, other stories about wedding rings, whatever you want to email about, hello at lukeandpeteshow.com. We'll be back on Monday. I'm pretty sure Pete will be back in situ. But for now, it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from Jim Campbell as well. Bye. See you soon. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.